Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Apple has faced a barrage of criticism about how it runs its App Store, as regulatory scrutiny of the iPhone's software and services marketplace mounts on both sides of the Atlantic. Madamita Merger talks to Tim Bradshaw about the case for and against. Hi, Tim. The critics, notably Spotify, are saying that the Apple App Store is anti-competitive. What are their arguments exactly? So there has been a long-standing gripe between Apple and developers that charge for their apps about how much commission Apple takes. And when the App Store started out, it was established that that was 30%. After a number of years for certain kinds of subscription apps, after a certain amount of time, that's fallen to 15%. But Spotify in particular has been increasingly vocal about saying that it shouldn't have to pay that at all because it makes it unfair for it to compete with Apple Music, which doesn't have to pay a commission to Apple because it's owned by Apple and it's preloaded into every iPhone and get certain privileges for how you access other Apple services like Siri that currently Spotify doesn't. So Spotify has complained to the European Union about this. The European Union is still considering whether to begin an antitrust investigation, but essentially Spotify wants to try and exist on what it sees as a level playing field with Apple's own services. And that's something that I think potentially could also apply to a number of different apps as Apple broadens its services portfolio, whether that's video or games or even things that are bundled into the Apple devices like FaceTime or Messages. So what has Apple said in response to this? Apple this week, ahead of its annual Worldwide Developer Conference, which is happening very soon, has come out with a new web page describing its principles and practices for the App Store, which actually doesn't contain an awful lot of new information, but a lot of the details about how the App Store is governed has been hidden inside developer agreements that you only really see if you're an app developer. So part of that is explaining the reasons that they take the 30% commission and the situations where they don't. And so part of it goes down to curiosity the App Store. They vet, they say, about 100,000 apps every week to ensure that they are secure, that they are keeping people's data private in the way that they promise to, that they work well. The biggest reason that apps are rejected from the App Store is just because of bugs that mean that they crash. And also Apple does a bunch of other things, like it provides a payment system, it provides distribution, it has this thing called Today Apple, which gives a guide to the latest apps that are coming out and packages up recommendations. So Apple's argument, in effect, is that all of these things together justify the 30% commission when it takes that. But it has also gone at pains to reveal that the vast majority of apps are given away for free and Apple makes little to nothing from those. And so it's really just an area where Apple's business model collides with those of apps like Spotify that both depend on the iPhone for distribution but compete with Apple's own services where the problem has arisen. Right. So... The EU seems to be taking this criticism seriously. That's what we've reported, that they are looking into it. What exactly is the EU planning to do? Well, we don't know exactly what the investigation will look like yet because they haven't come back and made a formal announcement. But yes, our Brussels team has reported that this is something that they're taking very seriously. And it's entirely possible that a formal investigation will be opened later this summer. I think it's interesting to note that Spotify has been complaining to regulators around the world for a number of years about Apple in various different ways. And it feels like its timing is perhaps better at the moment just because there's such a heightened discussion around the world about how big tech should be regulated and how these different platforms are policed. And so its timing is good, even though some of its arguments are not new. 
And what about the US authorities? Because the EU has always been at the forefront of regulating particularly American companies. Have US authorities shared the EU's concerns or do we think there's something else coming out? So we haven't heard anything from the White House or Department of Justice on this specific issue yet, but it is something where there has been more concern voiced by politicians in Washington, notably Elizabeth Warren, who's a Democratic senator who's looking to be a potential presidential candidate next year, has proposed breaking up basically all of the big tech companies, Facebook, Google, Amazon and Apple, so that you are forbidden from running an app store, a distribution mechanism of some kind, a marketplace, if you like, and playing in that marketplace. So, for instance, um, Amazon shouldn't be able to sell its own brand goods and Apple shouldn't be able to sell a music service as well as effectively controlling the distribution for those companies that it competes with. And there's also been a consumer class action lawsuit against Apple. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is coming up through the courts in the States at the moment. And Apple had actually challenged the ability for this action to be brought in the Supreme Court on the grounds that only developers could complain about the 30% commission model, the pricing model of the App Store rather than end customers. And the Supreme Court, in a very significant decision for allowing this case to go ahead, said actually it can. The Supreme Court did not weigh in on whether there was merit to the case, you know, didn't sort of voice an opinion on whether Apple is a monopolist. But it means that that case can now progress and it seems likely to do so. So that will be something that will probably take some years to resolve. But it means that if the European action comes through and that case progresses to court, Apple will be fighting this argument on both sides of the Atlantic. For Spotify to ask that it shouldn't pay that 30% when everybody else is paying it, I wonder, is there any other example of developers who have actually successfully avoided the App Store rules? Well, Apple says that 84% of apps are free and don't get charged that commission at all. But for those that have, the options are basically if you want to sign up a new subscriber from inside the app that somebody has downloaded to their iPhone from the App Store, then you have to pay this 30% commission. If you don't sign up that consumer inside the app, they call these things reader apps, which is a category I feel like they've kind of had to invent because it's been forced upon them by companies that don't want to pay this commission. You can sign up a subscriber somewhere else on the web or through your mobile operator potentially, but not through the App Store. And you can't point someone to where they can sign up elsewhere without paying the App Store fee or without transacting through the App Store permission. And there are a number of companies that have done that now. So Spotify is one. You can't subscribe to Spotify through the App Store. Netflix has started doing that quite recently over the last year or so. Amazon has been doing it for quite a while for its Kindle books. You can't purchase an individual Kindle or subscribe to Audible audiobooks through the App Store either. And all of that is a way of avoiding paying Apple that commission. But it also creates a certain amount of friction for consumers because it's not always obvious to them how they do buy a book for the Kindle app that they have on their phone. It's not something that under Apple's laws currently, Amazon is allowed to even explain to them. You mentioned that 84% of apps don't pay any commission to Apple because they're free. So how are they then making money? Most of them are paid for by advertising. That's how Facebook, which is probably the biggest player in mobile apps generally between Facebook itself, Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram. So Apple gets nothing from them. But there is then another category of app which is free to download up front, but you pay for in-app payments. So maybe a video game like Candy Crush Saga or Supercell's games like Clash of Clans, you can buy upgrades or you know extra lives that Apple still takes that 30% of those kind of in-app payments. And the distinction that it makes is if you're buying um, a digital 
good, whether that's a song or a treasure box in a game, that's something that they will take a commission for. But if it's a physical good that's out there in the real world, whether that's buying a physical book from Amazon or taking an Uber ride, it doesn't take a commission on that. So if lots of these apps are making money through advertising and selling people's data, doesn't this undermine Apple's argument about protecting their users' privacy on the iPhone and protecting people's data? Yeah, this has been a huge part of Apple's attempt to differentiate itself from the rest of Silicon Valley, in no small part because so much of the regulatory pressure on tech companies has been around privacy. And because Apple doesn't itself make money from advertising in the same way that Google or Facebook or even Amazon does, it's been able to sort of take a moral high ground on privacy. But you're right. I mean, I think that they could be doing more to vet the adherence of these apps that are given away for free on their store to the privacy policies that they state. Apple already requires you to have a privacy policy, but then tends to be more reactive than proactive in how it examines whether or not it's adhering to those things. And a big part of the justification for the 30% commission is that that pays for a review process. There are hundreds of people that go through every app. As we've said, there's tens of thousands of those that are reviewed every week. And I guess to some extent for it to earn its keep, you could argue that it could be doing more in that area. And maybe that's something that we'll see change as criticism grows up around the advertising targeting world. Apple has so far refused to acknowledge that its critics have a case. Do you think it can continue to maintain its position? I mean, that was what was notable to me about the App Store explainer that it posted this week was that it actually felt quite defensive and it didn't really say anything new. There was no concession to criticism. I think part of the arguments will come down, as they always do in any kind of antitrust case, how you define the market that Apple operates in. And Apple is insistent that the market that it operates in is the smartphone market, where the iPhone actually has a much smaller share than other players like Google that makes the Android operating system and it sells fewer phones globally than Samsung or increasingly Huawei. But the counter-argument on that is that if you do have an iPhone, then you can only get apps through the App Store. So there could be an attempt to sort of redefine the relevant market for an antitrust investigation as Apple's own sort of walled garden, if you like, rather than the entirety of the smartphone market. And that's the position that Apple's got to really hold and has really got to convince people that even though it's a trillion dollar company, it's really just a small player in this very big, scary smartphone market. (laughs) Look over there at those other tech companies that are all doing much worse things than we are. I guess the other possible precedence or example of a similar situation is that the EU is currently investigating Amazon for its potential anti-competitive practices with other sellers on its platforms. And in that case, they're defining the market not as all e-commerce, but specifically looking at Amazon's own retail platform. So that might be a parallel to what's going on with Apple. Right. And Amazon likes to tell people that it may be a big player in e-commerce, but if you look at the whole of global retail, it's just a minnow. And look at Walmart. Aren't they much bigger than we are? And all of those kinds of things. So again, they're trying to sort of define the market as not just online sales, but anything that's purchased in any shop, whether it's physical or digital. So choosing which playing field the match is fought on is almost as important as the arguments that you make or the game that you play itself. Right. Thank you very much, Was that a good metaphor? Yeah, that was great. (laughs) That was Medimeter Merger, our European technology correspondent, talking to Tim Bradshaw, our global technology correspondent. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on Indian expectations for Modi's second term in office or the proposed merger between Fiat, Chrysler and Renault, you can find them all on our usual podcast platforms. (laughs) 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.